The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 118 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. One of the sides of all opinions expressed in the show are my own and not my present or past employers. I would never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment. And I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I remind our listeners you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity and breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So last week's show was a great show. Uh, it's going to go down as one of the best. It was with partner and shareholder of Greenberg Traurig, Mr. Paul Ferrillo. And Mr. Ferrillo uh, joined us for episode number 117 to talk about what board members should be asking their CISOs. He also spoke about how they should prepare themselves for these discussions and how often and for how long should these briefings actually last. Now, this topic attracted a very large audience. And I think it's because it's really not something that it's often discussed. It, it, we just don't really talk about it from the reverse point of view. Usually we talk about how CISOs should go about briefing boards and what kind of format they should use and what kind of information they should convey and how it should look and who should do it. And I mean, and people practice it all the time, right? All right, that's what we do, right? And then the only mention of a board member uh, in a discussion is really like, oh, um, uh, they don't know anything about what we do or, you know, they don't understand our business, yada, yada, yada. Everybody's always complaining, right? I mean, that's, that's what you basically hear from people in the industry like about complaints about people on the board not really knowing what they're talking about and they don't understand what we're doing and it's difficult to have a conversation and so on and so forth. But no one ever discusses how these meetings should really go down from the board's perspective. Right? No one actually says, hey, this is what the board should be looking at. Everyone's always in our industry is talking about, oh, this is what the CISO should do. And not only that, it's from what, not only from the board's perspective, but it's also what type of questions they should ask and how long should the meetings go? You know, how often should they occur? Right? This is all sort of protocol that uh, we don't talk about much. So we asked Mr. Paul Farrell these questions someone who is often hired by companies to consult for them on these specific issues. And the show got a tremendous response last week. It was, it was a great show. We also spoke to Mr. Ferrello on the state of the cybersecurity ecosystem in 2020. What does the conflict with Iran mean to cybersecurity professionals? And what companies can do to protect themselves from a rampant ransomware epidemic? If you look at 2019, it was just 
constantly in the news all over the place, you know, crippling municipalities, crippling organizations. And most, let's, let's face it, most of these attacks never make the news, right? So, I mean, you have to say that, you know, ransomware or the, uh, the threat of ransomware, I should say, would rank among the top material risk for companies who don't have large budgets to spend on backups and resiliency measures, right? Certainly it is. So it was a great episode. Uh, if, if you missed it, you know, please make sure you go back and watch it. That's partner and shareholder of the law firm Greenberg Traurig, Mr. Paul Ferrillo, on last week's episode, that's episode number 117 of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, if you're listening to us live right now on Voice America, or maybe someone just sent you the link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all the previous Task Force 7 Radio episodes on playback. Just go to our new TF7 Radio site at www.tf7radio.com and hit the episode tab at the top of the homepage, and you'll find all the TF7 Radio episodes at your fingertips. You can also search our guest library, which is the most impressive list of some of the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world. And of course, we have our news section as well, where you can check out all the latest news, listen and also see Task Force 7 Radio news, and you can write comments and talk to others who also listen to the show. So it's a lot of fun. We're in at least a dozen different playback mediums, and we've uh, made it super simple for you to find them all. Just hit the subscribe button at the top right of the homepage, and you'll we'll see your entire selection of playback mediums. And most importantly, you can subscribe right to the show, right from the TF7 Radio website. So check us out, folks, www.tf7radio.com to hear any of our episodes at your convenience, 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And as always, whatever you do, don't forget to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. So, we have an awesome show for you this evening. I'm really excited about this evening's show. We're going to have Dr. George Antonio with us this evening. And Dr. Antonio is the Director of Cybersecurity, or he's the Director of the Cybersecurity Program at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida, where he's also an Associate Professor and teaches undergraduate courses in his area of expertise, which is cybersecurity management. So his research interests include leadership, developing effective information security policies, cloud security, IoT security, blockchain identity access management, and cyber education and awareness. Dr. Antonio has 30 years of experience in information security, information security risk management, information security quality assurance compliance, and associated information security technologies, in the private sector. So this is great. This is a guy who has the real world practical experience and he's bringing that experience into the classroom, into academia, which is a beautiful thing. Something we, lo- we talk about, we love to see. So he has experience in strategic planning and enterprise level security architecture, security operations and policy development in small, medium and large and national and multinational complex information security technology infrastructures. So prior to joining Lynn University, he was an assistant professor of cybersecurity management at St. Thomas University. And he has worked in various leadership positions in information security at various Fortune 500 corporations, such as MetLife, Praxair, Office Depot, Tyco, ADT, Sodexo, and Delaware North. So lots of experience here. Mr. Uh, Dr. Antonio holds a PhD from Nova, Nova Southeastern University and completed his PhD dissertation specializing in information security policies design in exceptional circumstances. He holds a master's degree in information management systems specializing in information security 
from NSU and a BS in computer science and telecommunications from the State University of New York Polytechnic Institute. So it's time to welcome to the show Associate Professor of Cybersecurity Management at Lynn University in one of my favorite places in the world, beautiful Boca Raton, Florida, Dr. George Antonio. Dr. Antonio, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio. Hello, George, and thank you for having me in the program. I'm excited to uh, talk about uh, uh, the subjects and uh, uh, get to uh, inform uh, the uh, audience as to uh, what is uh, entitled about cybersecurity and grooming the next generation chief information security officer. Yeah, I want to I want to basically tap into your expertise here in academia and get your opinions and views and take advantage of you being here on the show. Thanks so much for being with us again. And I do want to spend the first segment of the show talking about grooming the next generation CISO and that what that's all about and how you see things sort of uh, playing out in 2020 and beyond. Where do you think the, the profession of the CISO is headed? That's a great uh, question, George, to start. You know, um, been in academia for about a little bit more than three years. I'm coming from the industry. And uh, one of the things I, uh, I was all, always in my mind is how we're going to um, address uh, the CISO and the, and the profession, where it's headed. Uh, I think the profession is very hot right now in cybersecurity. In general, there are about 3 million openings. Um, and the profession of the CISO is getting very hot and in very demand. And I think where it's being headed is it needs to be upgraded. For example, we have we started with Internet One, we go to the Internet Two. We're talking about Internet Three O, and we still have struggles with the profession of a CISO. You know, it needs to be mature, and it needs to have a, a direction and goals and strategies. You know, to take this particular profession to the next level. Yeah, I think that's interesting. What do you think about what do you think about all the the uh the talk about CISOs being the fall guy or the fall gal for when things go wrong for the board and for the CEOs of the companies and basically taking a hit when they have the bad day and everybody else, uh, you know, pretty much walks away unscathed. Yes, it's a, it's a fragile it's a fragile situation, you know, to carry the load of an organization in your back. You know, uh, we. Um, label these individuals as the goals, either the greatest of all the time or the scapegoat, you know, meaning, you know, the finger is going to be pointed to that individual. It's a double sword. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, you know, that uh, these individuals, they carry. It's dumb if you do it and dumb if you don't do it, you know, meaning that their, their jobs are on the line if an organization is being compromised and is being exposed and they are the way to get... Uh, put on the pedestal and get fire to please either the the street or the shareholders, you know, meaning, you know, that they're the ones that they're at fault. Where in a sense, you know, they might be the board of directors or the CEO or any other particular reasons. And I will tell you, I have lots of discussions with individuals that they are trying to get the means and the resources to address uh, security issues. And they did not get that. Hmm. And what happened? It happened, you know, that after, the, after, after an incident, you know, it, it was apparent that, you know, 
it wasn't their fault, but they, we know out in the industry for recent events, they have been fired. And actually the industry, it shows that these individuals are, have no problem finding another job, you know, in some other organization, because we all know what is going on in the industry. And actually it goes back to the theme of the, of the subject, the next generation of CISO, how it's going to be, you know, what we need to do, you know, to groom these individuals to be successful. Right. So I want to ask you a couple things about the CISO position and where you think it's headed. I want to ask you, get your opinion on what's the next generation CISO look like? And then I want to get your opinion on what it's going to look like in the next decade or two, sort of like the long vision. In the short term, yeah. you know, CISO V.2 type of thing. Yeah. What do you see that as? Like, what do you see that looking like? All right. My, my, this is my vision, my humble opinion. You know, I think it should be uh, the next generation is going to be a super cyberhero, you know, it's the guy or the girl that is going to know how to articulate the risk, the strategies, the policies to speak the lingo of the business and translate those risks, you know, to the shareholders so they can get the funding and the support to address those issues. The, the, the next generation, Caesar, it will be uh, a leader uh, and, and a well communicator, you know, uh, to address these issues in plain English without the uh, IT terminologies and jargon that we use in the technical in the, in the technical uh, uh, environments. So, what do you see? So, keeping that in mind, what do you think is going to happen there in the short term? How about the longer term? How about the next decade or so? I mean, things well, change so quick. I mean, it's way out yeah. there, I know, but I mean, you know, things are, things are just constantly changing so fast. Uh, absolutely. Next generation. Uh, uh, the, way I, the way I see it, you know, I always go back in the history um, and I use analogies a lot, you know, so to solve a puzzle, you have to start from, uh, from the beginning of the dots and go backwards. You know, most of the people, they start from the end going the other way. So where we're today, where we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when we're going to be 10 years. So it would be nice to have a crystal ball, you know, and see where we're going to be. But in my, again, in my humble opinion, where do I see the next generation uh, CISO in the next years? Uh, I, I, I see him to be up in the, in, in the C-level suite, you know. And it's, a, and it's an aspiration and desire from most of the CISOs out in the industry. It's the recognition that they need to have. They carry a lot of responsibilities, but there is not a lot of appreciation and respect i would see them you know be part of the board you know going direct into uh into the room you know and explain it versus sitting outside uh on the couch or on a chair uh waiting for their cio or whoever that they're reporting to to call them in because the board of director has a question to the their superior, you know, and they don't know how to answer and then they call them in. I think they need to be, and they're going to be in the room, you know, um, to be a, a vital part of the team and the executive team. Otherwise, the success and the successful of the organization uh, is not going to be where we are today. So, you know, why do you think the, the, the CISO role is changing? Why do you think it's happening right now? I mean, and, and it's constantly, there's no really, there's no really solid foundation 
on on where where it is, and I want to get to all kinds of things, reporting and organizational structure right now. But what, why do you think it's changing? Um, the 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 CISO role is changing, particular because of the influence on what is going on in the industry, because the industry is changing, you know, in an exponential way of doing things in the particularly in the tech, not in the technology, but in the way that we are um, handling business and doing business. Um, the CISO role is changing because of what is out there and what is need to be protected. Regulations are being changing. Um, the internet is shrinks um, the distance between um, uh, countries, it, between humans. You can find something that is happening before even it hits the uh, mainstream media. Um, the way that we do business today is not the way that we're doing business five, ten years ago with all these um, new technologies and uh, and going from uh, brick and mortar to uh, cloud and uh, retail stores on the internet. Uh, just was reading the news the other day, you know, another big retailer is closing down stores, you know, and they're looking into more of the online, you know, stuff like that. Also, the new generation, Generation Z, you know, is coming up. Um, they need to, uh, and they're driving the force of we're doing business, you know. We have all these services out there from Uber, from Air, Airbnb, from Amazon, from all these things that they're out there, you know, that they're the Postmates. They're, the whole world is changing, and the role of the CISO uh, needs to change, has to change, and it's been changing dramatically, you know. And the companies that they are not embracing that, they're going to be in a way that they're going to be behind what we said, the eight ball, you know, because when they get compromised, when they don't protect their uh, customers and employees' data, they're going to be on the front line. And we know the generation that is coming up, they're merciful. They're not going to go and shop from them. They're, not, they're going to lose uh, interest. They're going to lose faith. You know, they're going to go somewhere else. And we know how things are work. You know, we're all about how to make a profit in an organization. And if there's no profit, then there's not going to be a success. And the CISO role is changing in such a way that it has to embrace all these things, you know, and it has to be put in such a way that the organizations need to understand their role and what it needs to be done to make them successful. So there seems to be a bunch of things here. There's the increased threat environment. There's the changing regulatory landscape. You have... Uh, emerging technologies that are putting a lot of pressure. So all these sort of inputs are are changing the role of the CISO all the time, it seems. And I don't see, see any end in sight with those drive, you know, keeping those drivers in mind. Uh, how do you think the next generation CISO can help design an information security program? Uh, it's a good question. How they will help design. The next generation CISO uh, is, has to be, a leader in all the aspects, you know. And when I say the leader is in all in aspects from understanding the technology and the human behavior, uh, we say the greatest threat to an organization is the inside threat. It's what is between the chair and the computer. Uh, once we understand that and the CISOs, they know that, but they need to articulate that to the business. It's not much of the technology, you know, that is out there. We can spend a lot of money 
And I told to the individuals, if you have a system that is $500,000 and spend a million to ensure its, uh, its protection, what's the return on investment? Sometimes, you know, it makes sense to spend the money. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know, to the business because they're the ones uh, they're spending the money. Um, but in a sense, what this next generation season they need to they need they need to do to create the programs they need to to take a step back and see what's out in the industry from the ISO twenty seven thousand standard family to uh, individual countries uh, like uh, United States we have the NIST we have other standards we have a PCI uh, other countries in European Union they have the uh, GDPR, uh, or they have other frameworks, they need to understand how that is applicable to their particular line of business and to their organizations. When they understand that and they put a program together, it has to address all the domains. And it has to go beyond the technology. It has to touch the humans. And what I mean by the humans, their own employees, but also the consumers that they do business. They need to educate them, you know, what what is their protection. Something that we don't see today across the board, we do see partially, like in the finance industry, in the banking, how you can protect your online banking and things like that. But we don't see, you know, across all the disciplines, you know, in, in, in the world that we, we are living today. Uh, in some areas, we scratch the surface in healthcare organizations with HIPAA, you know, uh, in the public sector with uh, Supreme Oxley, you know, and things like that. But the next generation CISO needs to put his or her hands around all these, make sure where they make sense, what it makes sense into their organization and apply that. If something doesn't make or is not applicable, it doesn't worth, you know, to do it, you know. The most common things that they are out there that they need to be addressed across all organizations, no matter what, is the humans. And what I mean by humans is the human behavior and is the human education. Once you address that, you know, then once they address that, the next generation sees us, they will be in a good position to make a, a, a good sound uh, security program. All right, Dr. Antonio, we got to transition into a commercial break right now. But hey, everybody, stick with us. There's lots more to come here on this episode of Task Force 7 Radio. If you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email me directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's George.Redis at TF7. That's with the number 7, radio.com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together. I promise you, Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guest, the Associate Professor of Cybersecurity Management, at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida, Dr. George Antonio. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Cynet, S-I-N-E-T. Context Information Security knows that your development and engineering teams move quickly. Security testing should empower them, not slow them down. What you need is a solution that integrates their objectives and supports the bottom line. Getting your product out while protecting your customers and your brand. While traditional penetration testing is a great way to assure your systems after they've been built, it doesn't work for everyone. That's why at Context, we offer continuous security testing to help you build it right the first time. In fast-moving environments, continuous security testing allows your team to focus on the things that matter. Secure, agile development, speed of innovation, and building security into your products and systems from the ground up. Context has been helping organizations tackle the most complex security challenges for more than 20 years. Visit us today at contextis.com to learn more about how we can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Associate Professor of Cybersecurity Management at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida, Dr. George Antonio. So, Doctor, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the leadership style of CISOs and the differences and maybe what leadership style might be better for uh, the people that actually work in cybersecurity and in the cybersecurity culture. What do you, what do you consider to be key attributes of a good uh, CISO leader? Um, key attributes of uh, Chief Information Security Officer uh, are fundamental ingredient for the success um, for whoever is in that role. Um, the key attributes are fundamentally how they uh, have a, a they need to have a, a good security knowledge and dedication to their selves for development of uh, information security programs. They need to be uh, uh, included in the, uh, in the uh, leadership teams. So executive presence and leadership, it's a, it's a key ingredient of an attribute. And a great communication and delegation uh, and writing skills, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's another attribute that they um, contribute to the success of, uh, of, the, of, of, of the CISO. So what are some of the areas in which you think a chief information security officer should be particularly experienced in in order for them to be successful? That's a great question, George. You know, so the key word here is particularly experienced. You know, um, so uh, a CISO needs to be... Um, a seasoned veteran uh, of the industry, someone who came through the trenches. Uh, you cannot get uh, someone from uh, graduate from uh, from a university, I would say, and place them uh, right into that role. They have to they have to grow through the ranks. Um, so experience in several areas across the board, I would say, is a must, and one of the most. Um, uh, key ingredients that they need to be successful is uh, the communication and the articulation of the of the risks that they need to um, provide from the bottom to the top. And what I mean by that, you know, they need to speak the same language to the individual there in front of them. Uh, talking to an employee down in the trenches where they do day-to-day activities versus talking to uh, high-level executives such as CEO or in the board of directors. They are two different wavelengths. Um, That's why the particular experience that they need to have is in the human behavior and anatomy of the day-to-day activities in an organization. They also need to be experienced how they handle incidents. 
uh, if a person who did not handle uh, an incident, a compromise, and they never did that, they don't have the experience, they would be panicked and they're not going to know what to do. So, uh, another particular experience that they need to be um, cognizant of is how to handle these situations and to have experience in the particular technology sector that they are. They don't have to be down to the nitty gritty uh, coding and, and firewall rules and, and TCP IP and things that they are uh, left to the technical, but they need to understand the fundamentals and how do they protect. So experience in the technical, in the human behavior and managerial are very important in order to make a CISO uh, successful. Okay, I want to dive into this a little bit because this is like a really big topic, I think, in the industry. And I think a lot of companies are really making a big mistake and they're putting the wrong people in these positions. Um, let's talk about this a little bit. Should, yeah. You mentioned a little bit about, you know, the bits and bytes and it's not really that important. Well, it's important, but it's not as important as some of the soft skills, the business skills. You, you mentioned human behavior. I don't know many CISOs that have that type of experience. Um, and it seems yeah. to be just a revolving uh, circus at this time when everybody's just, you know, everybody's playing musical chairs in these positions. And a lot of companies, yeah. it's kind of funny because when you, see a, when you see a company recruit for a CISO position, they'll look a lot of times for a CISO of maybe a small company. That's a, there's a CISO that maybe manages five people. Mm-hmm. And then you have other, other um, directors, SVPs at some of these mm-hmm. large companies, like a senior vice president at a large uh, financial corporation has a significant amount of responsibility and a lot of times much greater than a CISO of a small five person shop. Um, so it just, it just, you know, and they're willing to say, and some of these people say, well, we just want someone who has that CISO title. They don't really understand the role. They don't understand yeah. the responsibility behind um, the different levels of maturity in the different organizations. And they certainly don't understand the difference between technology and business skills. So should the CISO completely move away from the technology role? I mean, not, not completely, but should we be looking for people that really have more business skills than technology skills? And then my second question would be, I really like the deputy CISO position to be a, 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 the more technical position. Mm-hmm. So the CISO as the, the, manage, the, the management position, the ops person, the person that has experience in operations, uh, leadership, persuasion, negotiation, influence, that type of thing. And then the techno, technical role, sort of the ops role is, um, uh, uh, you know, the person who has that deputy uh, CISO title that maybe runs operations. What, what are your thoughts around that? Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, you hitting the uh, nail on the head and it's a sore subject among the CISO community and the tribes of CISOs out there, you know. So, um the key word here is completely uh, move away from the technology. And I don't think um, completely is the right way, you know, like you said, you know, um, if you don't, if a CISO doesn't understand the technology, then how will be able to articulate those risks into the board of directors or into the CEO or to the CFO to go and get funding or resources and, 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 and such. So a well groom CISO needs to be part of the technology and have, like you said, a deputy CISO or a CTO or someone else who is uh, responsible 
for the technical for the technical um, day-to-day activities in the IT organization. IT security, it becomes a utility. Actually, the whole IT becomes a utility, you know, in, in an organization. That's why we see the changing of the CISOs, you know. Uh, we are going into an organization and company, and we're expecting, like, when we come home and we turn on the switch, the light is on, or we turn on the TV and we get signal. We go to an organization now, and we get a, a computer, and we expect it to be configured correctly. We're, we're expecting to have firewalls. We're expecting to have IDS, IPS, and all the security things that they are. That's the technology part of an organization. And that's what is happening today in today's world. We have that stuff. We, we're doing those things. What we don't do, it's a lot of other things that the CISOs, they need to be aware, and also the companies need to be aware. Design policies, you know, uh, educate people, uh, address the risk. We have 8.2 billion IoT devices in the world. Uh, uh, sorry, I'll take that back. We have 8.2 billion people in the planet Earth. There are about 50 billion IoT devices out there. What is that telling us? What, te- what, what is that telling to the CISOs? What is that telling to the organizations? IoT device, it means it's connected to the internet. It's connected to the companies. Five years before, you know, 10 years ago, people, they were talking about bring your own devices to, uh, to work, do this, do that. We don't have that, you know. Companies, they used to issue Blackberries and pages. We don't do that anymore. We expecting to have a phone. We have a phone. We configure that phone in such a way that they will be secure to do your day-to-day activities. What is, what is the fundamental issue here that we need to address? And if we take a step back, you know, we can see the picture actually being painted for us. The way that we're doing business today and the way we're interconnected, we don't see what is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, the attack service is huge, right? And it's yes. ever-growing, and that creates, a, that creates a, um, an enormous problem. Um, I just want to close the loop on this, on this technology versus sort of managerial business mm-hmm. slash you know, role. How important are soft skills in this so role, in your opinion? Uh, soft skills, I think, is one of the fundamental ingredients for a successful um, CISO going forward in the next, is, is the next, in the next decade. And that's why we say grooming the next generation. Uh, soft skills is something that we are born with. You know, if we compare it with hard skills, you know, hard skills, they can be taught. You can be trained on it. Soft skills is that it's, it's the DNA that we have within our own personality, with our own human beings. You know? So we need to address and find those individuals that they have the passion. If they don't have the passion to be a CISO and they're after something else, they're, let's say they're after glory or the money, they don't do a good service to themselves and to the organization. And I've seen a lot of people that they are going after these big um, titles and they're, they're, all, they're not the right ones to be in those places. And they, they, they are trying to beat them all, you know. And, you know, they can't because the soft skills, they're lacking. They're lacking empathy. They're lacking, you know, they're lacking communication skills, you know. They, they're lacking things that they're not uh, 
cannot be taught in a university. It cannot be taught in, in an industry. You know, it's something that you inherited as a personality, as a DNA. And I think that's what we need to start looking into these individuals to find them, you know, and put them in those positions because some skills is very important. A person who is very articulated, who is very calm in a situation that a, a company is being compromised, he's not going to run like a chicken with his or her head cut off. He will be very, very calm to address what is happening and what happened. Why we got breach, you know, and then we take the appropriate steps to inform his superiors and everybody else of what happened, whatever that it is, without making any assumptions or without making any other uh, speculations, to communicate and articulate what is going on. Yeah, I think you're spot on with this, and I don't think it, that we pay enough attention to this. I mean, and I don't want to sound cliche or stereotypical, but uh, usually cybersecurity and, or tech, technologists or engineers aren't really known for their soft skills in, in the market. And I think a lot of time it leads to leadership issues and um, all kinds of problems in the organizational structure. So with the need for all this different, the, the various different skill sets, it's a very, very challenging job. I like to think of Task Force 7 Radio as the advocate for the CISO out there and for the cybersecurity professional. And I like to, I like to think that, you know, it, it seems that there's a lot of CISO bashing going on uh, across the industry right now. Yeah. With all the different skill sets that are needed, how important is mentoring in, in, the, in the CISO world? I mean, what yeah. kind of mentoring should they get and how should they evaluate what they need? Um, it's mentoring actually is one that is one of the most successful ingredients. Um, and, and I think the CISOs, they need to understand that, um, not only just be a mentor, but the MNT, you know, and find the, find your tribe. CISOs, they need to find the tribe. Yeah, but we never talk about them. the CISO being the mentee. <laughs> we always talk about them being the mentor and they have, you know, exactly. Like, you know, it's crazy. But, you know, uh, and that's the issue there, George, you know, it's because we don't, we don't, we don't address the white elephant in the room. Right. It's, it's because uh, exactly what you said is uh, uh, we get in these individuals that are the bright individuals, they are very techies, and then we put them to lead, to lead the troops. And they don't have those soft skills. Uh, and, then we, and then we bash them because they're not successful. Uh, uh, and they lose their passion because their passion is to, is to do what they, what they like to do. And then we put them in those positions and then we're expecting, you know, great results from them, you know, and go and talk to the business or, or, or do this and do that. And we don't, we, we, we don't get the results. Um, but, you know, the, the point is, you know, what we would do with the next generation, grooming the next generation, you know, uh, the sisters need to understand also that, you know, becoming a mentee, and, and what I mean by mentee, doesn't be a mentee in the technology, it might be a mentee, you know, in the human, in, in the human, in, in the human uh, sec, sec, sector uh, 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 aspect of, uh, of the day to day, you know, um, mentee from the business to understand the business. Um, and, and out of the industry, you know, uh, outside of the, of the industry, 
uh, in academia or, or whatever that be, you know. Uh, they can be mentors, and we see a lot of students that are out there, they're mentors, and they're great mentors, you know. Um, but who can be mentees for these individuals, you know, to be successful? Uh, I, I think the new generation that has come up, they need to be both mentoring and mentees, you know, to be successful. So, obviously, there's a huge technical aspect to cybersecurity, and implementing mitigating controls sometimes can be uh, very arduous. How, how can CISOs practice security without actually hurting or skirting a company's ability to, to innovate? Yeah. And I see a lot of CISOs out there that they are uh, falling into this trap, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, they're, um, uh, um, I'll be a little bit uh, bold here and blunt, you know, they are like, um, uh, I would say, the uh, law enforcement, you know, of uh, of individuals that they uh, have uh, uh, the stain of uh, yes or no. And if you go with this uh, with this capacity um, of a yes or no, you're not going to be open to um, helping the company to innovate. Um, and innovation, in a sense, is a risk. Okay, so uh, CISOs are very successful in to these environments. They need to be open-minded. Uh, they need to be. Uh, not in the on-off switch uh, mode, you know, but what I call in the dim mode switch, uh, in the gray area. Um, they need to establish policies or strategies that they will accept violations for their policies in exceptional situations. And, you know, it sounds very provocative, but uh, policies have been put there and most of the people, they think them as an on and off switch. You violate the policy, I'm going to uh, reprimand you or fire you, you know. But most of the times, you know, you need to violate a policy to be successful in the short term, as long as you have controls in there. And that's where some of the seizures they're lacking, you know. They think of the stereotype of this is what is the policy, this is what is dictated, and they impede the growth of the organization. And you see a lot of organizations not to be innovative, but into uh, staying into their comfort zone and do what they learn to do without being um, uh, competing out so, in the world. So, Dr. Antonio, let, let me ask you another source of contention in the cyber world. Who should, who should the CISO report to in an organization? Uh, that's a very sore subject out there in the community now. It can so, be, yeah. <laughs> yes. It can be in some organizations. So, yeah. so let's fast forward and talk about in the next 10 years, not where we are today, because I think we're still evolving. You know, I think the, the CISO needs to be reporting to the CEO directly with a data line to the board of directors. And that's my opinion. There are a lot of studies there out that they um, – survey the community of seizures and what they are or the highest person of security and you will see variations of where the CISO is being reporting to. And if we peel the onion back, you know, will we see, you know, why some of these challenges grooming the next generation uh, CISO is, need to be addressed. Um, taking the CISOs out of the technology IT world, you know, not reporting to the CIO, um, uh, not reporting into the CFO, not reporting into the legal department, not re reporting into the CEO straight to the CEO. I think that's that's the success model the industry needs to have. And another 
Yeah, one of the things that I think that's holding that that scenario back is no one wants to pay this the, the CISO the money that yeah. <laughs> the people who would report directly to the CEO make. So right. let me throw this provocative thing. You know, I think the way that we're doing, that we're going to, and I have nothing against the CIOs, you know, I think that also we will see those roles diminishing, you know, because again, of the changes that in the industry of outsourcing, going to the cloud, IT departments, they're becoming a utility department within the organization. So these things, they will be both down the future in the next 10, 10 to 20 years. You might have a company, and we have a couple of examples, a few examples today that their organizations, they don't have a CIO, they have a straight CISO that is reporting to the CEO. And they are successful, they are very successful, they have very successful models because the CISO is the articulated person with the soft skills that it deals with the business, the industry, the standards, the strategy, and everything else. And what you have under the CISO is a CTO who is in charge of the technology. We also start seeing, you know, data scientists out there. Data scientists, you know, because as we evolve and as we're changing, we have massive data. And that data that we have, they're, they're part of the, of the fabric of an organization. And now I'm going to split them in two. The data that they are related to the business for marketing purposes or, you know, sales and such, and also the data that we collect on their attacks on that organization. and and, and getting those data analytics reports to make sense. You need these particular individuals to understand those things. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're trying to get there. And probably in the next year, 20 years, we will be there. So real quick, if, if the person, if the CISO reports to the wrong person, what do you think the consequences are? Does it really hurt an organization that much? I mean, I know so many people out there that'll yeah. be like, that doesn't matter who these people report to, even in yeah. the CISO organization. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter as long as they do the job. And like, I just don't subscribe to any of that crap. Yeah. yeah I just, what are your uh, thoughts? <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> it's very, it's very, um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine told me once, you know, um, in the, in the house of senators, you know, it's where you see the counts. And I asked, what do you mean? And he said, you know, do you see, the, you know, where, where, uh, how, how the senators, they sit, you know, the closer you are to the um, uh, uh, speaker of the house, that means the more power you have. And, you know, I, I said, how that's related to the profession of a CISO? Well, well it does, you know, uh, because if you're in the back room, far away from that, that means you're not reporting directly to that individual up front. Then you're not you're not you're not you're not going to get the exposure. If something happens, you have you have to go through all these layers. Um, the com- line of communications are not clear. Um, you would be uh, either spending money uh, that is not necessary, or not spending money because you don't articulate well. You know what what are your needs or their needs, and reporting to the wrong person. Uh, as long as uh, Security by obscurity, I would say, you know, it's not happening. You know, uh, the company thinks that they're not being compromised, they're not being breached. We, who, who, who knows if they are or not, you know. Um, that person does their job, like you said, you know. Um, the, um, the impact that we have uh, reporting to the wrong person, it will be significant uh, because um, it, it will have effects, you know. And we talk about innovation, we talk about um, uh, uh, profiting for for 
from, from the company protecting the data of the employees and, and, and the consumer and so forth, you know. So uh, reporting to the wrong, wrong individual, um, it will have significant impact. Uh, I think to individually it's soft too, you know, because uh, it's a relationship uh, between um, the CISO and who reports to, and also who reports to CISO, you know, it's, it's, it's a family, it's a tribe, right? You know, so uh, if the CISO is not happy where he's going to, you know, it's not going to do their job well, or they're gonna, just going to go the, the job on the minimum. Right, um, right. Uh, they don't serve anybody good, you know, so yes, uh, it has an impact if their reporting structure is not the right structure. Right. Right. All right, doctor. We've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors. But don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from our special guest, the Associate <laughs> Professor of Cybersecurity Management at Lynn University, Dr. George Antonio. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. Context Information Security knows that your development and engineering teams move quickly. 
Security testing should empower them, not slow them down. What you need is a solution that integrates their objectives and supports the bottom line. Getting your product out while protecting your customers and your brand. While traditional penetration testing is a great way to assure your systems after they've been built, it doesn't work for everyone. That's why at Context, we offer continuous security testing to help you build it right the first time. In fast-moving environments, continuous security testing allows your team to focus on the things that matter. Secure, agile development, speed of innovation, and building security into your products and systems from the ground up. Context has been helping organizations tackle the most complex security challenges for more than 20 years. Visit us today at contextis.com to learn more about how we can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, Associate Professor of Cybersecurity Management at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida, Dr. George Antonio. So in this final segment of the show, Doctor, I'd really like to talk about today's cyber attacks and what you're seeing out there. What steps uh, should the CISO need to take to ensure uh, a better security posture with an organization considering uh, the attack vectors, their attack surface, and the sophistication of the attacks that are being launched today? Uh, yes, uh, great question. The attacks that uh, we've seen today and the uh, attack surface, you know, is tremendous. Um, not only within our country, but, you know, uh, globally. Uh, a CISO needs to get their hands around not just the technology. And I'm going to start what it needs to be done first, you know. Uh, which I believe is the most important aspect of a successful uh, way of fighting those attacks, or at least preventing them um, of, of of happening or of, of being executed. You know, meaning you know, getting inside uh, an organization's infrastructure is to store with a great security education and training awareness program. Uh, going to go back to the humans, to the employees. We need to educate them, not just about the policies, but about the technology. And a good CISO, a successful CISO, the next generation CISO, it needs to start from there. You know, is to do what I call uh, a deepest in-depth approach. That's the first thing they need to address. Most of the CISOs in the industry does today, they go and they put a lot of infrastructure and a protection mechanism to all those attacks, which is good. Sometimes it's 
overwhelming, you know, to the organizations. And I hear it from business people and CEOs that they're spending a lot of money to these technologies to protect themselves. Is it an overspend? Sometimes they think it is, you know, but it's up to the CISO to put these programs together and understand the technologies and what they are out there, you know, to protect the environment that they have. If they don't understand what they protected, then how are they going to protect? So the first thing we need to understand and they need to understand as a CISO is the humans, then the technology, then what data they have, what they need to protect, you know, and what would be the impact if something happened. So once you find those golden key holders in the organization um, that have uh, the keys to the kingdom, um, what do you do with that information? How do you prepare against cyber attacks knowing that these are the people that have, uh, you know, access to some of the most important yeah. information and critical systems in your, in your uh, industry? Yeah, those are your MVPs, you know, the most valuable players or the MVEs, the most valuable employees, you know, and uh, I think you hit, again, the nail on the head, you know, as a CISO, you need to recognize who are these people, you know, and I guess there are two, there are two, there are two aspects. You need to uh, address uh, and identify the individuals that they're working within the IT uh, in, in infrastructure, and we see that being done very well because we are educating our system administrators or the firewall administrator, network engineers, and everybody else, database administrators, and so forth. But then we forget about our business family out there because people, they still have access through legitimate purposes, you know, with a user ID and a password to very sensitive data. Either that would be HR, finance, the secret ingredients of uh, doing a recipe and so forth. And those are the torques that the adversaries are after. And we forget about that. And, you know, a, a new CFO is coming into the company and we don't really train them and they get a phishing attack or, or a, a, a phishing or whatever. They click to the link and they wire money out to whatever, you know, and we lose millions. Now, we don't know all these things that is happening because nobody's coming forward to tell us uh, it's anecdotal uh, uh, information, but it, it's happening out there. It does. It's the reality. So how can CISOs use automation and artificial intelligence to combat resource shortages? So I, I'm, look, I, I'm, I don't think artificial intelligence has made a big impact in the cybersecurity industry as of today, but in the yeah. future, obviously, that's a different story. What, what say you? Yes, George, I think that, again, you know, uh, the key word here is the future, and we haven't seen much of artificial intelligence uh, uh, or machine, machine learning. Uh, we, what we've seen and experienced is the... Uh, um, Behavior, behavioral analysis, you know, uh, and, and things that they're happening on the wire by analyzing the data. Um, I think the next generation of CISO, the next generation that is coming down in the 10 years, we need to incorporate the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the data analytics as to what I described before by mowing the data in the organization that we get. The data analytics is very important, you know, and it's a, it's a huge trend out there is going about data analytics in the industry, but from the business side. And what we are, you know, we are lacking on the security, on the cybersecurity side, you know, of the data analytics because we don't do uh, very well 
uh, or a good job, you know, analyzing the data from the different sources that we have. We have a seam or we have a syslog, but we don't correlate that data. We don't do an analysis, you know, like uh, uh, I did an analytics report that they will show what is happening in the finance department, you know, and in, in, in identity and access management. Uh, into the systems that we have in the IT. Whenever those systems are, might be in-house or outsourced or in the cloud. We don't do that yet, you know. And artificial intelligence and data analytics will help that to do that, you know. And a machine learning. A machine learning on the security uh, appliances or on the security infrastructure, but also uh, a machine learning on the business side, on the application side. Uh, that will come down in, in, in the 10 to 20 years because uh, automation, Automation, it helps the humans. We, we, we're not going to replace a, a, a cybersecurity analyst with an automation um, uh, robot, I would say. You know. We've done that already. We've done it with IDS, IPS, and we know that there's a lot of false positives. Right. That's why the human comes in, you know, uh, right. to, through and combine, you know, through those things, you know, to make a, a sound decision. It's how we help those resources, you know, and right. how we will make them perform better, you know, do their job better, you know, without, you know, um, overburning them. Right, right. I, one last quick question before we close. When you, we, we talked about, you know, the people that uh, have access to the most critical systems, and we talked about how to protect your organization knowing that information. We also talked about artificial intelligence and how that's going to affect you know, resource shortages and then the talent crisis that we're experiencing right now. Let's just talk about the crown jewels for one second uh, before, before we, we, we break for the show. When we're talking about, we identify the crown jewels, what's more important? Is it identity access management or data protection? Which program in a cybersecurity organization is more important in protecting the crown jewels? So um, it's a very challenging question, you know, because you have uh, two things to choose and we need both of them, but one, if one was yes. more important than the other, we definitely need both. But if one was more important so, than the other, which one do you think is the, the, is the one that is so more important? So identity and access management, in my humble opinion, is the most important thing that needs to be addressed by the industry. And here, what, what, what we are lacking in, in when we said identity and access management traditionally, we think again on the human aspect, which we give them an ID, uh, it's their login ID and a password. It's their identity to access uh, the the information that they have under uh, their job description and their function. And we give them roles and we give them uh, uh, the appropriate privileges to do their job, you know, and so forth. But what the industry is lacking is identity and access management on the devices. How you trust your device when it's connected to another device? That device doesn't have an identity. We need to log into the device to make communications. Imagine now if devices, they have an identity. How cool would be that if that device is being connected to blockchain or is it's, it's, uh, connected to an identity access management platform and that device now has an identity of its own. Now, you have that and then you can marry it with uh, your ground jewelers, you know, now that your server has an identity because it's an IoT. Now that server, you know, has an identity the people that they connected to that, they have an identity. That's how you put defense in depth to protect that data. You can put encryption, you can put firewalls, you can put antivirus, you can put file integrity monitoring, you know, you can do a lot of things, you know, to protect that ground jewel data. But 
is who has the access, who do we trust. We always, I always say trust but verify. You know, how are we going to, if we trust the employee, how can we verify that, you know, the device that they use is not, is their device, it's not a device that is coming from an adversary country. That's the point. Right. Makes sense? That makes sense. Dr. Antonio, thanks so much for coming on the show. I, you know, I actually visit Boca Raton often. I have some wonderful friends there. Uh, my goddaughter lives there as well. And I, I would you know, love yeah. to grab a drink with you when I, when I, when I visit, meet you in person and uh, chat a yes. little bit about, chat about shop a little bit, talk shop a little bit. Yes. It's my pleasure to be here. If you're down here, let me know. We'll grab a drink. I will take you around Lynn University to show the facilities there. It's a great university, small university, 3,000 individuals. Uh, students from different countries of the world, you know, uh, we have a, a great program in cybersecurity um, at the College of Business, uh, great school for sports management and other, and, and other disciplines, but uh, hit me up when you're down here and uh, I'm glad to uh, grab a lunch and drink with you and, uh, and talk shop more. All right. I'm going to take you up on that. All right, folks, it's time to go. Before we do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read and recap tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.